0: We are not trying to lull you to sleep. We are not.
1: 99, so long.
2: Oh, 99.
0: Well, we 99 times, guys. 99. We did
2: skip a week though, so technically this 99. is the 100th week. 99. Well, welcome everyone
0: to the 99th episode of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Walter Pisick, Richard Greenfield for the
2: 99th time. Reporting live from Walt Disney World. I didn't think you're I'd ever say that back, on the podcast. Rich, Rich, you're allowed back to Disney World? I, I am. I mean, Iger's gone. Chapek's in. I'm back at Disney World. Okay.
0: And- so, not only are you allowed back, but they set you up.
2: I was Disney. welcomed back. I was welcomed back. I mean, look, it is crazy how many people are here. It is absolute complete insanity. I mean, I know it's spring break. But it I, what I love, Rich, insanity
0: is, is that the whole time that Disney um, had kind of like banned you from everything, conference calls, this, that, and the other thing, you skipped going to Disney World. You brought your family now. Why? Because they hey. would hook you up and get you a room, get you taken
1: care of.
2: Paid for it all of the room, so I don't know I what know, that I I means.
0: I,
1: I don't think but staying yes. at the Glam for Floridian is hooking someone up. Is that like a <laughs> three-star not. hotel at this point? No, it's like a roach motel. No, no, it's, I, it's, I it's, getting it's getting redone. It's getting redone since redone I was month. a kid. First, there's been redone. a lot in the press about um, the fights between Chapik and Iger. Um, and I guess that Chapik... Um, didn't appreciate when Iger came back in during the pandemic, do you think that will be uh, discussed at any of the social events informally amongst the uh, attendees? Or is this like, there's such kiss asses that go to these things that no one will bring that up. Cause it's like impolitic? if that's the right word.
2: Well, what's interesting is the CFO is the same. So Christine McCarthy is the same. So it's going to be interesting to see how, sort of management sort of addresses. I'm sure this topic's going to come up because Pick's only got a year left on his contract. So I think everyone is sort of stewing over is the contract being renewed? Is the board happy with him? Obviously the stock is under pressure. Um I, you know, I think it's interesting that they're doing the the meeting at Disney World because the re, not that that's so unusual for Disney, but no one's worried about the theme parks. I mean the theme park business is bonkers just like brandon's live events business with live nation and things like that like everything that is sort of experience wise is off the charts the issues where people have questions are what's happening with disney plus what's going on with the hulu situation what's going on with sort of the future of espn and sports so like the big questions are not how are the parks and doing a walking tour of the parks the big questions are all about the other businesses well
0: that's that's going to be the other two hours. Like you said, it was like an eight hour walking of the park and then two hours of Q&A meetings. and the rest of the business and meetings. I mean, clearly, that's what's going to be the focus there. I just want to know, Rich, are you going to be the guy in the front row like you always are? You know, and then it'll be like, OK, your next question comes from Rich Greenfield. And you're going to be like, um, Bob, my question is, why haven't you gotten a new contract? And then what's he going to say?
2: I, I think the question yeah. is, is I think the real first question is, is just why is Hulu still out there? Like, why are know, we still you still talking about Hulu? Like every week. Yeah, I know. I think that's, that's my question. If I get a question, which you will see, but I'll be in person. So I'm going to have my hand up. I'll be in the Mickey years for sure.
1: For sure. I'm going to be in Mickey years. rich. Hold on, but, but, but we're, we're, you keep diverting from the point. I, I brought it up and Brandon put it up. So I'm going to go back to it again. <laughs> Thank it's, you. It, it's, it is in the media, like Kara Swisher, Galloway. Had like a thirty-minute rant about this, and like, and Kara's saying, "What a great guy Bob Iger is." He clearly has still has influence at the company, so that has to be an underlying question. My, my point is, like, you're going to be there, but like, is this going to be addressed during this investor day? Because clearly, it's a it's a big item, aside from Hulu and all these other things.
0: Or as Rich likes to say, because he says this in every one of our big meetings. The elephant in, the, in room the room is. Correct. There actually, Rich, there actually is an elephant this time.
2: I think I'm actually going to say the elephant in the room question. Would you like that if I did that in the middle of this meeting? But I mean, look, <laughs> when 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 Iger took over, people thought it's he was Dumbo
0: in the the elephant in the room is Dumbo. M-
2: maybe I should take a picture. I'm going to be on Dumbo <laughs> later today for sure. That would be hilarious if there was actually,
1: dude, let's say you walked into the meeting and for whatever reason they had like you know, whatever boards up and Dumbo. And you just say, (laughs) and you point to the Dumbo and say elephant. There's an elephant in the room and it's not Dumbo.
2: (laughs) 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 Maybe I should get a Dumbo hat to wear or a Dumbo t-shirt. I think
0: think you should play it down the middle as far as professionalism is concerned, because you were just welcome back this time. Yeah. So you wouldn't wear the Dumbo t-shirt? No, no Dumbo t-shirt. No, just, just. You know, and make sure you get that question. And then when you get that question, boom, the elephant. To answer your
2: question, uh, my guess is lots of chatter is going to be about is Chapek sticking around. right?
0: But no one's going to ask any questions that even like dance around that
2: or dance around what
0: the contract situation is.
2: Brandon, I guarantee you here on our podcast, if I get a question, I will ask, could you... Expound upon the Iger controversy. And what are your thoughts on going forward? And do we just bully you into that? Or does that? <laughs> sure. You did. Oh, you, did. Yeah. you actually did. did. You did. But you did. Now, I think now I everyone
1: has a window into how our process works. Why don't we just bully someone else in there? We just like, bully each other. Who, into... who, 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 who is Dan? Because oh, no one else has the stock? balls. Do you cause,
2: think Dan? Cause, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. No. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Michael yeah, Nathan's Yeah, Yeah, Dan Nathan. No, you know, Dan Nathan
1: is Dan Nathan, right? The perma bear on his podcast, right? Michael
0: Nathan, him and Danny
1: Moses. Like the market's crashing, it's been crashing for the last year. Like they're just super
2: negative. All right. What's our first slide? First slide is um, it's actually a pretty big topic. So it's this is Yanko Rogers saying a bit of news that didn't get enough attention this week. Roku's hired TCL SVP Chris Larson who is essential to establishing the Chinese companies as a TV brand in North America. Next up, Roku branded TV sets, question mark. Is this the
1: same Chris Larson that used to be a sell side analyst, telecom analyst, that Chris Larson originally (laughs) from Prudential? I don't think
0: that so. Chris Larson. Walt, I think that Chris Larson might be a fairly common name. Even Brandon Ross is a fairly common name. I get emails for every Brandon Ross in the world <laughs> because of my emails Brandon Ross at Gmail or Brandon Ross.
1: Uh, that's amazing. There's okay, guitarists,
0: so, definitely so, people in the military, definitely people who work at car dealerships. So great. Um, so what does
1: this say about Roku? I mean, in, in terms of them. First of all, is this speculation or is this truth? Well, look, the the, the question is,
2: Roku is facing more and more pressure uh, from competition. And so there's been, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a slide on here saying Anthony Wood, who founded Roku, said he thinks Samsung and others, Vizio, cave and just embrace the Roku operating system. I I don't think we really believe that's going to happen. We thought maybe they buy Vizio to expand their device market share. One other way, one other way of expanding your device market share um, and insulating you from operating system competition is obviously to build your own TVs. The market is worried about that because obviously that gets into mm-hmm. a level of, you know, capital intensity and and you know a weaker business that than people were sort of thinking well, about. So thinking- I mean,
0: you're basically going from a high margin business theoretically in, well, I guess you had the low margin business attached to it but a, your revenue source is going to shift down to a lower margin revenue source. You have to worry even more about supply chain issues, all these other things, components um, in the hardware, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, the cost guidance was what the cost guidance was and everyone was like, why is the cost guidance so high for this coming year? Well, one of the real explanations is they're building TV sets. Right. isn't
2: it? I think, look, I think that's not the reason today. I think that's what might make the a, a leg further down. I mean, I think that's sort of the fear is that there is there more to come in terms of the cost side of this equation. That's what look, if it works, it obviously could be huge. I mean, if you could replicate sort of the success of TCL, but starting from scratch, Obviously they have a good brand. They have a brand that's well known, but coming in and trying to create your own new TV brand, God, that sounds hard right now. It just what's sounds TCL.
0: Hard. What's TCL's market cap? I don't
2: know. I'd have to look off the top of my head. I don't have that number. Okay. But I don't know. It just seems like a you know, for, for Roku, it's where a, the story mods were just business. Yeah. And, and look, this was supposed to all be about the operating system and about advertising and High margin, and you know, all you know. And if you have to go out and build televisions, I just think it it really changes the story. And to your point, Brandon, maybe most importantly, changes the valuation.
1: And yet, people claim that Apple needs to make a TV as opposed to just continuing to to drive Apple TV pucks in there into the market. That
0: never made sense. One of the reasons. I mean, I remember having this discussion with you guys. I don't know. 10 years whenever it was. And I had covered the big box uh consumer electronics retailers at just or was just coming off it at, at that point. And I was like, you're going to like a six percent margin business or something from a what's the margin on, on uh the rest of Apple?
1: For phones, I mean you're talking 40 to 50 exactly. percent gross margin. So exactly. Yeah, it's dumb. But you know who knows? Like that was that was, that was prior to Apple's entry into the marketplace. You know, Motorola. I always remember would struggle to get to ten percent operating margins. And you know, there was times when Panasonic and other consumer electronic guys would come in. The theory was like, you know, they're they're used to five percent margins, and that's what was going to crush Motorola and others. And then Apple came in, just made a better product that was integrated with the software. Um, and change the whole dynamics of of that that device market. You maybe could argue the same thing would happen if they made a TV, but I think there's different cost components in terms of the screen cost and things like that that, you know that come to play. although look, look, look at what they charge for fucking, you know, PCs or wheels to hold <laughs> to hold their wheels <laughs> the way it's seriously there's like a replacement a piece
0: also replacement cycle on phones like we've talked about how it's extended out to what correct years now replacement cycle on a tv is seven years
2: right well roku is not just facing pressure on its the hardware side of its business, it's also facing pressure on the Roku channel side of it, which is sort of their ad supported streaming channel, which competes with things like Pluto and Tubi, tries to integrate some of them. But what's interesting is that YouTube, out of nowhere, I mean, this is something that we've thought about for years, but this is a tech crunch, YouTube to stream free ad supported TV shows for the first time. So like Hell's Kitchen, like just deep catalog TV shows are now going up on YouTube, like they went up on Pluto, like they've gone up on Tubi, They're now going up on YouTube. I have no idea why all of a sudden. This is obviously something YouTube could have done years ago, but it's certainly interesting. As Google TV, which is the second tweet on the screen, it says Google Play loses movies and TV, which heads over to the Google TV app. It seems like there's more and more happening in that Google TV app brand, and I know you and I both really like the interface. That yeah, it's part of the, the new Chromecast and is now embedded in certain TVs. But it, it seems like there's this larger, it's, strategy it's more that than YouTube that, putting Rich. together.
0: Rich, where has the preponderance of YouTube's growth happened in the last couple of years?
2: The TV screen on the big sure. t-
0: on the big TV. screen. Absolutely. So now you have people watching YouTube on the big TV screen. Why not start to link that with what people normally watch on the big TV screen instead of having them move out of the app? And if you could do it in a low-cost way with low-cost back catalog to keep people kind of busy and give them the lean-back experience in addition to the more lean-forward experience, which is the typical YouTube experience, uh, then power to you. You're going to take market share. So I, I think this actually makes quite a bit of sense.
2: It's fascinating to me because you know if you think about sort of you know where they started off, you know this is something where it's just capturing more and more time spent and giving you let to your point less reasons to leave, and so it seems brilliant. It's just it's funny that it took so long for them to actually do it when it seemed like a no brainer. But this has to be the you know, time the interesting-
0: was rich. The time was right though because I don't think like the lean back experience on your phone isn't as it isn't the behavior that is typical for most people. Whereas on the television set, it is now that they have right. a lot of, you know, watch time share on the television. The time is right.
2: YouTube's already over 20% of time spent on connected TVs. This is just going to help make it even more, just Incredible. more yeah, and more engagement. Okay, let's move on to.
0: And by the way, um, it's a a low cost bet. It's not like they're investing in all this original content. And if it does work right, then maybe you do go back to that original content strategy that didn't work before.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, they've been so reticent that like those dollars just didn't matter. I mean, they always sort of just said
0: they didn't on the small screen.
2: Yeah, I guess if the you, the viewership is enough, maybe that changes, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you experiment at a low cost and you lean in if, if it's working.
2: So the other big news regarding Google, this is not so much YouTube related, this is Google Play related, but this is Daniel Eck tweeting out, today Google Play and Spotify announced a groundbreaking agreement that enables consumer choice and sets the stage for what the next generation platform should look like. So basically, now you can subscribe to Spotify using Google Play billing. You don't have to use Spotify. And so sort of the the platform tax that had scared away the Netflixes and the Spotify's for somehow, we don't know all the details, but something occurred that got Spotify comfortable with Google. Now, is this Google sort of trying to take the lead and trying to win back and sort of, you know, sort of Tame the government argument or the fear of regulation. Getting out ahead of Apple, where there's been a lot of pressure. You know, obviously Spotify has bristled very directly with Tim Cook and the team at Apple. I don't know. I mean, it, it's just interesting. You know, for me. Thinking about Spotify, this is obviously a huge win because most of their growth is going to come from Android markets or you know Google markets where iOS is not because, strong. Because so
1: it's
0: because it's mostly international growth. That's yeah, and them. they're
2: mature in the U.S. I mean, I don't think yeah. there's lots. I mean, there'll be growth, but I mean, I think the big growth for Spotify is in Android markets. So this is obviously a very big win for Spotify. The interesting or the the the, the unknown question, I guess, is. Does this force Apple's hand? I saw a lot of people sort of speculating. Is this sort of the beginning of Apple caving and figuring out a better way to work on app stores with companies that have subscription services like Spotify?
1: One thing or, I found. Sorry, do we know. Do we know the terms of the deal? So why no. why do we think that
0: we know <laughs> what the experience is like though? Which is oh. interesting. The consumer chooses a side by side. Do you want to pay? Through Spotify, or do you want to pay? Um, well, why is this making Google Apple Store?
1: cave? You're assuming that Google is not charging them. They're charging them. No,
2: they're definitely charging. The question is, okay. is, are they're charging them less? But they're also making it easy to get off platform, right? Like they're putting side to Brandon's point. The key here is side not side
0: by side. I, I mean, as a consumer, I'm probably because it's single click for me to to just pay through the Apple App Store. I can't speak to Android because I'm an iOS user. I'm just going to press the button probably and use Apple anyway. But not everyone will do that. Some people are keen to what's going on with app store fees. Um, and that may sway their decision.
1: <laughs> but but
0: I like why on would what, Apple have to
1: follow because of this? On what basis? I'm aware of it. So like, oh, I'm going to stick it to Apple. Yeah, probably even, even not. If- Probably not.
0: You're probably going to people are lazy and like the easiest possible way. If you could single click it as opposed to like going into the Spotify experience, putting in your fucking credit card, et cetera, et cetera, you're Uh, probably not going to want to do it that way.
2: But hold hold on. Regardless, I don't
0: think this forces Apple's hand. Apple will do what Apple wants to do.
2: My point is right now you could not subscribe to Spotify on iOS or Android. That's right. You had to go directly to Spotify. So So this makes it easier. So you can do that one click experience. The question is, does regulatory wise, does this put pressure to wow. create a similar experience. on Well, iOS. actually, it
1: just shows you that you don't need the regulatory. It's say. the exact opposite. Competition Exactly. Shows Thank you, you Walter. Like, okay. Yes. There's, it works work, work somewhere else. If it didn't happen, then you could argue maybe there's collusion between the duopolies to prevent this from happening. So this just once again shows regulators just
2: back the fuck off and let the market take care of things. Brandon, you've been enjoying your Instagram feed. Why don't you read this?
0: I have Um, uh, from Adam Massari, chrono update chronology, I guess it is. Today, we're launching two new chronological views for your Instagram feed, following and favorites. These options give you more choice and control over what you see in the app. Let me know what you think. By the way, this is funny because it kind of came on the heels of Twitter's failed experiment of forcing everybody into the algorithm and not giving the option of just having chronological choice. (laughs) Right. And then they went back on that. And then Instagram comes a couple of weeks later with choice. They're clearly leaning in right now to (laughs) um, into uh, reels and bringing more accounts and things you don't follow into the feed.
2: I don't even think it's just reels. I think it's just bringing more stuff you don't follow. And follow I think by doing tick, this, right. this reels is, is just a, a sign. Reels is
0: a separate point. We yeah, but it. I, I yeah. just
2: think like the, the bottom line is this is about Instagram was always about what you followed. And now it's becoming more of an interest graph rather than a follow graph. And that is the big inflection point. They're shifting away because of TikTok. They're shifting away from the follow That's graph. That's a great point. That is what I think this is all about. And I don't think anyone's but ever going to use these two other inter- options.
0: What's interesting, Rich, though, and we talked about this a lot this week, in the last like three or four weeks, I've followed a shitload more accounts just because of things that came into my sure. feed uh, and that I happen to be interested in. Now, is the algorithm that great to show me some like, you know, skiing shit in my feed. Like I was at Big Sky a couple of weeks ago and then the Big Sky account like came into my feed and I followed it. No, that's low hanging fruit. But the accounts that I was following over time, they get stale. Right, and you need to spice it up, and you need to see some new, interesting things in your feed. TikTok competition or not TikTok competition, yep. and it has reinvigorated my usage of the product, at insofar as time spent is concerned.
2: And look, I think the the reality is the question is is does the following even matter, or is it just they're getting better and better at showing you? Like you don't really follow things that look interesting on your TikTok feed. It just shows you more and more stuff that you hover over. Well, so if you're well, it does over, matter
0: to a certain extent though, Rich, because one of the reasons un- I TikTok. still go on Instagram is to see what my friends who, you know, like that, it's still like people who are not quite boomers, but almost boomers like myself, um, it's where they're <laughs> where they're posting,
2: right? I just think you're gonna see less and less of that is my guess. It's yeah, it's gonna be I mean, more and more of things that just interest you. That's what the, yeah. if it works.
0: And the other thing is, there's news out this week that Reels is starting to to work. I've noticed that the content in Reels um, has gotten better, and there's been more of it recently, and less of it that has TikTok branding on it. <laughs> um, stocks trading at like 13 times free cash flow. If it inflects, stocks going higher. So we'll see.
2: Let's move on to a little inflation, Walter. The catchphrase for everything right now.
1: This is an email that I received um, from Elon Musk, not directly, but from his company. <laughs> I, was, I was like, whoa. I think it was from Elon, but he said um, Elon says, due to excessive levels of inflation, the price of a Starlink kit is increasing. From four hundred ninety nine dollars to five hundred and fifty dollars forty nine for deposit holders, and five ninety nine dollars for all new orders, effective today. In addition, the Starlink monthly service price will increase from ninety nine dollars to one hundred and ten. So, due to inflation. So, I don't, you know, I've ordered my Starlink. I can't even remember how long ago, at least at least a year ago, um, but kind of underscores. Thing, what we're all dealing with at the moment was you know in terms of inflation what's interesting is I don't really know what inflationary costs he's incurring right now I mean the, the satellites are kind of up in the air maybe <laughs> his fuel cost to sending more Leos is higher there's not really a customer service component as of yet so like you know I think we're in the scenario where you're gonna have companies that will use the the um, the real inflation that's among us um their cost the fake an, cost inflation is that what you Yeah, as an increased as a as a reason to increase um as a reason to increase price so i don't know like our you know our companies you would think yeah there are there is going to be cost inflation it's going to be more expensive to hire people for sure um i mean across our industries we'll see who has pricing powers. netflix i think has definitely shown or not definitely but seems like they've shown that they can increase price um, globally. At, a
0: re- at a regular cadence, kind of like cadence. the cable bundles, have um, MVPD service has increased at a regular cadence for which is fascinating
1: because that's that's you would think that that's a competitive market, meaning that there's other streaming options that are out there. You know, we'll see in the world of wireless and broadband whether a they'll use this kind of inflation to try and jack their ARPUs because all these companies need ARPU increases to make their numbers. Um,
2: Meanwhile, Spotify is still nine ninety nine. How many years later, Brandon? Like decade later, it's still nine ninety nine.
1: Yeah, it's, we'll it's see. Crazy. Like, I don't, you know, I know you you like to shit on a- Apple um, Music, even though it it does have a decent market share. I, I don't Netflix. I think is unique um, in their content. If Spotify increased price and Apple didn't follow, yeah, I, exactly. I, don't know. I, I think it's more commoditized, and you'd have more risk of people shifting.
0: In econ like 101, they or one, you know, they talk about perfectly substitutable goods yeah, versus it's a, it's the same library versus music. Differentiated. It's the exact same fucking thing. Yeah. Spotify versus Apple music versus even like the YouTube music now. For some reason so, I use them all, but so, whatever.
2: So so why is Disney cutting price and jamming and advertising versus just take advantage of inflation on an irreplaceable product?
1: Well, which what product are you talking about? because brandon disney and i were just plus. no 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 but brandon and i were just talking about music where it's the same exact library disney plus right, but, is not substitutable
0: with the prox the, pr- so the problem was,
2: price so why not raise price more because to take advantage of inflation
0: rich here's the, here's the difference for disney plus if it was just the super fans of disney plus then they could probably raise price, but they're trying their hardest to get a broader audience. Right. So they have to look at that elasticity curve and hit this hit the people who aren't willing to pay the higher price, figure that out. Once they have enough content that enough people really care about, then they could go back to raising price. Netflix has a has something for everybody. Yeah. My, my, my,
1: analogy to what Brandon, just there's said
0: a uti- you know what it is. I, I should, I didn't like phrase this, right. It's there's no, a did. utility per, um, component to it. Also. Uh,
1: look, it's like anything <laughs> you can, you can keep right. Like dish, for example, should theoretically hit the market right now, offer $30 for unlimited, even though their networks are not fully built, because at some point when the network gets built, they can just off, you know, offload that to their own, network and just, you're just grabbing customers at this point, Yeah, but you're right. I think they have prices, the sprint they would pri- strategy. Yeah. Well, no sprint couldn't do that strategy because yeah. their network was garbage. So, and everyone knew it was going to stay. Garbage oh, forever. Okay. Oh, okay. Know?
0: But didn't it, they try for, and like undercut them price or whatever?
1: Yeah. But, but you'd have to use sprints, garbage network in this right, case, okay. you, you're, you're using, look, I don't they know why the cable yeah. at some point, the cable companies are going to do this with Verizon and say, to say to the customer, Look, customer, you're getting Verizon's network rather than these bullshit gig plans that they're offering now, which has, I think, a limited appeal, an unlimited plan for half the price and just and just eat margin. So then when charter bullshits about like saying that their profit before customer acquisition, what they really should do is say, like, we're EBITDA negative even on a gross basis because we're going to stick it to them and grab these customers because it's going to lower our churn on the broadband side of things and make Verizon feel some pain. At least partially, I guess Verizon would be picking up the usage, <laughs> so that probably doesn't hurt Verizon as much as T and T-Mobile.
2: Are we going to try to tie this into Uber a little bit, Walt?
1: I mean, it's the same. This is the same issue. And um, in, in the tweet for our podcast listeners is Uber hit by driver shortages and a surge in food delivery requests during the pandemic. Will list. Oh my God! I would not put my food in a New York City taxi. Ugh, Uber Eats. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was part of this. Anyway, they're going to list New York <laughs> City taxi cabs on its app—a partnership that, until recently, would have been unthinkable. This is like an anti-Travis thing. Travis, if he was still running the company, would not have gotten rid of autonomy. He would would not have like done something like this. Um, you know, our 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 own Joe Galone yesterday texted to us when this came out. You know, you know, there goes your cheap taxi rides. And then, you know, I kind of brought that up at family dinner, like, but these are regulated rates. So it's not like taxis are going to, you can't just increase the price. There'll be a service charge on top of it, but I don't know if it, it changes, you know, what taxis can drive that's regulated. Is it not? I mean,
2: I, I, it is how this all works with the taxi commission and the medallions and all that. I don't honestly know, but yes, when you have all those service fees and charges and rates per mile, that's all set by the taxi. You know. So by, here's, my, so here's my
1: question then so after reading that tweet, which I didn't realize until now, when you select a car, I can select a black car or whatever it is. If I'm doing Uber eats, I don't select the transportation. So you're telling me that if I'm in New York city right now, And I do Uber Eats, that that might go into a taxi as opposed to an Uber Eats car. I think it's trying to find more drivers to handle all of the volume. Although, to be fair, in New York, I think probably a lot of the food is delivered by um, bicycle. bicycle, Yeah. And those those containers. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know what the
0: reason if we discuss this with return mates moving to New York, right? Yeah. It's like that's parking, the way do it's it, parking and ticketing.
1: So, well, and now you've got all those bike lanes yeah. as well to make it even exactly. more of a challenge. Exactly. Anyway, I say this look, so, the bigger uh, thing here is is just it's inflation, right? Whether you're, it's Uber drivers, whether it's accountants, like the ability to try and hire people. To yeah, it. I don't know where everyone went. Like, where are they? <laughs> where did all these people go? Well, well pri- I will say they are, are definitely at Disney World. No, no, they're up. definitely
2: in Disney World. They're all in Disney yeah. World. How can they, not they afford Disney World? Disney World. <laughs> not Dude, working. I don't know. Disney World is ridiculously expensive now. I have no idea. <laughs> um, So uh, speaking this of is the deadline.
1: Speaking of pricing power, by the way, that's what you should have, have uh, worked yes. in there.
2: Well, cause Nielsen has basically abused all of these media companies for years and years. For some reason, Nielsen is not selling itself. Uh, private equity tried to make sort of inroads and, and Nielsen does not appear to wanna sell to private equity uh, again. And so what's interesting here, this is Deadline Hollywood. NBC Universal is expecting, it's, it's expanding, sorry, its relationship with ad tracking firm, iSpot, uh, telling a room full of media buyers today that it will offer the company's data as an official currency starting at its upfront dismay. And, and that's the important thing. It's not just using ISPOT for measurement. It's actually using it as its currency. And that has been the, the real lock-in for Nielsen over the last 20, 30, whatever decades it's been, has been because it's been the currency as well as the measurement solution. So the measurement has sucked. But by being the currency, it had that lock-in effect. Adding currencies now, you know, this hmm. is just NBC. It's not industry-wide. But it really seems like the start. And Linda Yakarino's been a real you know leader in the industry at NBC and pushing this agenda. And I just it, it just surprises me that Nielsen isn't more concerned because you see linear TV viewership is nosediving, everything good quality content-wise is heading over to streaming, other than I mean, I guess Brent, you even watch Yellowstone on streaming, but like everything is moving over to streaming. Um, even the things. But the that are, most you know, recent
0: ser- uh, season I had to watch on YouTube TV, though, so. but it was all okay. like which which meant ads. Which is
2: linear. Which is linear TV. Yeah. So you you did watch. You know, you were watching. No t- I had no little... choice.
0: I thought oh, it was going to be on Paramount Plus for some reason. I subscribed to Paramount Plus. It wasn't there, and then I had to unsubscribe from Paramount Plus.
2: <laughs> the, the bottom line is, I don't understand why. You are not seeing Nielsen sell this. You know, to me, that's this is going to be a huge mistake long term for Nielsen that they're going to regret. And we'll see. We'll come back to this, but I think this is an interesting move. We love what Sean and the team at iSpot are doing, and um, you know, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to uh, a little video gaming, Brandon. Uh, the uh, this is the aftermath math of Bobby Kodak.
0: Yeah, um, from Kotaku report: two months before return, Overwatch League still has no sponsors and in conjunction from alexander lee coca-cola has signed a worldwide multi-year partnership with wild rift esports the agreement is a firm endorsement of riot games plan to build a mobile esports ecosystem so first of all with overwatch it has been a the overwatch league's been a colossal failure there's you didn't more believe that you, season
2: one you didn't believe that right like season no one, i mean if was... you remember
0: that presentation that i gave at ces i was uh-huh. extremely critical of overwatch league and the ability for esports to really monetize one of the big reasons was key it was the fact that the sport itself had to be tied somewhat to the popularity of the game and had to continue to evolve and I wasn't sure that Overwatch itself would be able to do that. It turns out Overwatch 2, yeah, it's in some kind of closed beta now. Nothing's happened there.
2: So nobody made money buying Overwatch teams. All right. those people, the, made, nobody made well, any money. Spon- Everyone just
0: lost. The, sp- the sponsorship at the beginning was somewhat robust, but but it didn't really grow from there and now, on top of it, sort of the Black Swan event is all the crap that went on at, um, at Activision. And that's the real reason that Coca-Cola is no longer a sponsor there. It's why Bobby Kotick's no longer on the board. And then on the flip side, Coca-Cola went and sponsored Wild Rift. And that does show you that mobile esports um, is beginning to take off. And that there is some interest around it, at least from the from the sponsorship side. It, nothing too sophisticated um, to talk about in these tweets, but uh, esports is a difficult business to make money in, and just shows you know the circus of Activision. That's all.
2: But when you think about gaming and mobile, um, clearly Netflix is not you know, is not slowing down. I mean, it seems like every week or two, Brandon, we have something to talk about on Netflix and gaming. Yep. And I don't I don't know if anyone's really playing a lot of these games yet. Like, I don't feel like there's a <laughs> lot of buzz about it yet. Nah. But they're clearly putting a lot of energy, dollars, time into it. I mean, this is another tweet from Yanko Rogers saying, Netflix buys boss fight entertainment to continue its push into gaming. Uh, there's a tweet here from Game Industry. Tekken is getting a Netflix animated series. Tekken Bloodline is set to release this year on the streaming platform. So that's game turning into a TV show. And there's another Witcher game coming out, which is based on a game. So sort of both ways, gaming into shows on Netflix or content on Netflix and, you know, sort of more games sitting on the Netflix platform seems to be a big theme for Netflix overall.
0: Yeah. And the real theme here is buy built. build. Netflix has always been build first, and this time they're moving into buy and they're doing it, it
2: nobody that's just time is of the essence but, it's just but time is of the essence
0: i think it's just really hard to build um game studio chops and it takes years and years and years and you may or may not be successful at it i think you look at what uh, went on at amazon it took them a long time to have anything that remotely broke broke through and they put a bunch of dollars into it trying to do it on their own so yeah I, I would expect more acquisitions uh to come from netflix here and then the other side they continue to push in on the video content side into video game content um and the other tweet is reflective of that
2: next this is for Walter.
1: Um, Tech Insider says Apple is reportedly (coughs) working on launching a subscription service for iPhones and other hardware. So this is, you know, I get a lot of inbound on this. Oh, what's Apple doing? There's always speculation on Apple. They're pretty good with their their secrecy. Um, I think someone was actually quoting Loop Ventures, which is Gene Munster. Let's keep in mind Gene was predicting a TV for about a decade, um, which is still yet to materialize um in terms that of hardware
0: counting how many people were in line at the apple store though was. he
1: was i ran into basically... him a couple of times when i would do my <laughs> videos and he was sitting there with his 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 uh clipboard. Like, he's, like, he's like, a nice like, like. i like gene he's a nice guy hopefully he's doing well at loop ventures um but at the end of the day like this was an interesting thing if had they done it like five years ago um Second thing on the accounting, like the way accounting works. And I I remember talking to Apple about this years ago when this was when some of the hedge funds were pushing them to do this because they wanted Apple. This is when growth was very slow and they wanted Apple to be more of a recurring revenue business. When you sell a phone you have to book the revenue in that quarter. So while it, it might be an actual recurring revenue payment that you get from someone and maybe their phone, you know, they use a phone. The way the accounting works is like the, when they receive that phone, that revenue has to be booked up front and then everything else becomes a receivable, right? So you can't make the earnings look recurring just because but it's it's a good thing to do. The second problem with this is half the people are already on phone payment plans. Most phones, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, are bought purchased through the operator. So I don't know, like didn't seem that crazy to me in terms of changing the market, at least in the US. Maybe there there could be better things. Maybe it helps you upgrade more if you're paying a monthly and you're going to get a new phone and maybe they want to drive more traffic. The one thing that I don't think was mentioned in these articles that would be interesting is if they mixed service fees in with equipment. So not only are you paying your monthly, you are displacing the operator. And I think when you get to a point where e, where um, eSIM, where you don't have to have a SIM card, you don't have lock-in, and you have operators that are offering wholesale deals to companies like DISH or Peter Adderton or whoever, if all this, and, and remember like years ago, they Google Fi, they would not they didn't want to. at t Verizon didn't give Google an MPO. Now they're desperate for whatever fucking revenue they can get. So there could be a scenario where you have an eSIM that Apple gets wholesale agreements from multiple carriers and just becomes an operator. You just pay Apple a monthly charge and you get your equipment and you're also your service provider. That would not be a good development for operators <laughs> if that occurred. And 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 like the issue is, it's like you know, originally no one was going to give cable an MVNO and now the, and now the cable companies have the MVNO with Verizon, AT&T would love to, to get that traffic. Like you're going to get to a point where they're effectively going to commoditize themselves, but we'll see if that happens.
0: Is that the OXIO thesis, Walt?
1: There are companies out there that are trying to enable this type of thing. And, te- and again, technologically, the eSIM is going to be an important development as we get there. So when you see the new iPhones get launched, at some point, that's, you know, remember how everyone was so outraged when you couldn't plug in your earphones or they changed the charger. At some point, they're going to be like, no more SIM card slot. God,
2: <laughs> right? I, so I would, well, I would love that.
1: I would love the no more SIM card.
2: Well, the operators wouldn't necessarily love that. <laughs> so I, we'll under, I understand. It's a nice little lock and I get it. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Okay. Sticking with a, a little bit of hardware, we've got a story from uh, Alex Heath. Snap has acquired NextMind, a neurotech startup that made a headband for controlling computers with your thoughts. The goal is for this tech to be used in the future AR glasses. And you know, to me, this just sort of shows how Snap is continuing to push the envelope on on the tech side and is really focused on on augmented reality, while Facebook is really focused and has been far more focused on VR. But we had actually well, gone out, Brandon.
0: Facebook did do that acquisition in the space, didn't they? Like they made a fairly large one. So i guess the next level of computing is going to be mind control
2: i remember we were out at, <laughs> we went out to, we went out years ago with investors to the gazelle lab out in san francisco and they actually one of the things they were talking about we didn't actually do it but they were talking about how they already had t- technology where you wore sort of a a, a Something over your head, like a mask like thing over your head. And you could actually control a, a, a fighter pilot could control a plane just with his mental. If he became disabled, he could literally control the plane just with his mind. And it was sort of like one of those moments where it seemed like the future and yet it was actually already happening. And now you're seeing sort of, could this be rolled into some form of consumer tech at some point, obviously this is still a long way off, but I don't know, it just, it intrigues me how Evan is still really, really thinking about pushing the envelope on the tech side as it relates to hardware. And, you know, he's not talking about it publicly anymore the way he did with those spectacles in the early days. Now it's all sort of behind the scenes, but there's clearly a big push at Snap on the tech side to have a level of hardware going forward. And I have no idea whether Snap will be a winner here, but it's just something that, you know, I don't think anyone is giving them credit for or even thinking about as they're investing in it. Or given where the stock is. No one's even thinking about it, the stock at all right now. I think if you go to slide
1: 123 on Masayoshi Son's 300 year plan, <laughs> he has predicted the future of telepathy with your pets. And you can um, communicate with your with your pets via telepathy, if I recall. But I, I will maybe I'll tweet that out
2: later for our podcast that was listeners. Still, still one of my favorite all time decks.
1: It just
0: reminds me of the tenacious D song where he's like, "I'm going to kill you with mind bullets."
2: <laughs> I also remember the unicorn. <laughs> I also remember the unicorns jumping over the valley. I know that was a different deck, I think, but I still remember that slide Um all
1: right. Next.
2: <laughs> um uh, Walter, since you are our resident premier lacrosse expert, could you please read this? Uh,
1: it, there's nothing that bores me more than when my friends who have kids that play lacrosse talk about lacrosse. It's like a <laughs> boring thing ever. <laughs> and I've attempted to and I apologize to lacrosse <laughs> parents that are out there. But honestly, like my daughter played lacrosse. It's not. An interesting game sorry and, and by the way i was a rower in college as you know I, that you is know, not interesting well 100 not interesting but i wouldn't talk Hello. about rowing and my and like father-in-law people, in like, yep it, in, his, reti-
0: in, in yep. his retirement has tried to become a rower but he can't really get the oar in the water
1: <laughs> people that have played lacrosse or have kids that play lacrosse seem to think that this is a really interesting sport i don't personally get it. In any event, ESPN, people do actually get it and are interested. ESPN reached a multi-year, multi-platform rights agreement with Premier Lacrosse. And there's certainly a segment of the population out there that are interested in sports. And this is, I guess, live events. So it just, you know, look, I think it's important in terms of sports content that is out there maybe you're not getting the big big dollars but it's it's time spent a couple of
0: things for subscription services we've talked uh, a ton about two things one is getting grabbing every passionate um audience so one of the reasons that uh, nbcu did the wwe uh, deal was that couple of million people who are really big wwe fans you you bring them into your service, their are yep. subscribers. I don't know how many lacrosse fans there are, but now every lacrosse fan pretty much needs to subscribe to ESPN Plus. Okay. That's that. And then there's the tonnage thing. We've talked about like why Apple churn was so high last year, despite having awesome content, is because there's no tonnage to fall back on. Maybe this is some tonnage for ESPN. I don't know.
1: Right. I, I, Brandon, when you said that, it also made me think of the prior discussion we just had about Disney Plus in terms of price, price, pr- price increasing. Um, or ability to increase price, and I thought to myself, like, okay, I'm a Disney. I love fucking Mandalorian, all that shit. You can increase price to man price insensitive. The same thing could be here. Like again, ESPN, you can just jack the price if you create enough of these little tiny niches. Yeah. Like, yeah, same thing. And I think when when NBC owned um, or whoever it was, I think Fox and now NBC owned EPL, they talked about the same thing: three, four, five million fucking diehard users that you basically could charge them anything inelastic. And, and and they're gonna pay for that for that particular service as a one-off tonnage.
0: Tonnage. Like well, it. cheap tonnage. It's like yeah. right. The whole thing
1: with tonnage is you could get it well, cheap. is not cheap. I, I would assume the lacrosse no, no, is cheap. But yeah. Did Lacros- you ever watch a lacrosse a game?
0: Uh I tried to once. I mean exactly. like <laughs> I like played Uh, lacrosse in in camp and got my ass kicked. But I was rich. weren't you?
1: weren't you a a, like a stud lacrosse player in in school? I I have never, I have never (laughs) played lacrosse. Never
2: played lacrosse. Ever. Uh, What about? Um, Um, I guess. We got, let let me start with the left, and then Walt can do the right here on, on this because I think the left side is sort of just Amazon leaning into its NFL contract and just showing you how serious they are about making Thursday night football a success. So This is Washington Post veteran broadcasters Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstrett will call Amazon's Thursday night NFL game starting the season. The company announced on Wednesday. And to to me, that just shows that they're hiring top talent. They really are being aggressive. They want the production. Um, hopefully we'll get lots of various forms of audio the way Walt wants. But I think we have to acknowledge that Walter has been by far the most aggressive in wanting alternative forms of audio. So I'm going to let him read the right side of this slide, which is sort of the Walt plan. Uh, and this
1: is from Doesn't Matter. ESPN doesn't matter. Announces, <laughs> announces, sorry, Jeff addressed. Uh ESPN announces the early schedule for K-Rod, the alternate Sunday night baseball Broadcast on ESPN two with Alex Rodriguez uh, and Michael K. Um, I mean, insufferable. Yeah. Mike, I, I find Michael K- Homer, Alex, friend of the friend of light shed, Michael K. N- you know, I don't know. Talking
0: sports from here on out. Call him up and give a shout. The lines are blinking.
1: <laughs> anyway, so this uh, this is a this is a good direction to go for sure. Alternate audio, that's where it. But but you juxtapose that from last week, and we didn't cover this, which is the insane amount of money that was um, paid to Joe Buck for um, what was it, Amazon or Thursday night or whatever he got. I don't even know. No, no, but, he, he went to Monday night. Um, he went Monday to Monday night. night Doesn't matter. PM. They paid him a lot. So I don't. We didn't talk about this last week, but I did run a Twitter poll and and, and I asked people quote, how many people watch? And then I even said, or don't tune out because, you know, maybe you turn on a game and it gets shitty. And then, so am I going to watch or not tune out an NFL game simply because Joe Buck or any specific person for that matter is announcing it? Meaning that like, you're paying all this money for what? Like, I'm going to watch that football game anyway. 80% of the people that uh, replied to my survey agreed. None. There's no... Person that you're going to watch a game because Joe Buck or whoever your favorite announcer is is announcing it. One point six percent of the people said fifty percent of people watch because of the announcer, but I think they were probably just trolling me. <laughs> yeah, I think they're lying. So why why are they paying? And these Joe types, Buck sucks. Why are they paying these this type of money to these announcers? Like I don't, I just don't understand.
2: It's a good time to be in the sports business. I think there's a perception that it matters, whether it's Aikman or whether, I mean, I think there's a perception among media companies that it matters. I think it would be an interesting thing, you know, if we put Walt Pysik and Brandon Ross in in the Money Night Football. Let's let's look
0: at total, but let's let's reframe this a different way. What's the total amount that ESPN is paying per year for Monday Night Football? And then what percent of that is it to have the, quote best announcers, I, uh, even though I know fair... you say Joe Buck sucks every day, uh every right. time he calls two and a oh, half hey.
2: billion dollars a year versus um, ten
0: versus what a ten bucks or whatever they're giving up. Well
2: you're saying two point. and a half billion dollars on 17 games is 147 million per game.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I understand that it's a fair point, but you still don't just pay someone just because you have the money to pay. Like <laughs> nah. that's just that's insane. Not to mention the fact that be innovative like it and, and this is less of a thing on espn because it's fucking disney right of course they're not innovative but but like why is an Ooh. amazon why is an amazon who is theoretically an innovative company like they could just change the whole dynamic and just like you know open the it's amazon i have to say extremely disappointed when they first got these games forget about just the announcers because that's my thing like just they didn't do anything they just fucking you know did the same type of production as all these other NFL games? Like, so what was the point? Well,
2: remember not they haven't produced anything. a game. They haven't produced a game yet. Their first game that they produce, they've just been simulcasting Thursday night, right? Like, this is going to be the first time they produce the game all themselves. So, like, let's let's hold that and let's okay. see what it looks like in September, and we're going to come back to it. I won't hold. I'm not holding my breath.
1: I'm and how it,
2: and it how it evolves from there. Please don't hold your breath till September. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sorry. Our last slide from front office sports men's March madness is drawing the highest viewership in five years. Um, The tournament is averaging 9.1 million viewers across four networks up 12% from last year. Uh, That's a pretty big increase. I mean, it's just, you know, I think five years it's there, the games have been good. I mean, it's been a good tournament so far with lots of exciting games and a lot of upsets.
0: Yeah. There was a lot of overtime games. Um, Michigan made it to the sweet Sixteen.
1: And then lost to Villanova and then lost to Villanova. So I have a theory on this Brandon. you are the expert. You wrote a long piece on this many moons ago, um, in terms of why ratings were down and now why Mm -hmm. they're up the, the live betting on the college basketball games is like free money. (laughs) I mean, you have a team like Michigan, free money, free money, free money. Michigan has a little rally. They're playing Villanova. You know, Villanova is going to succeed in the end. Um, i didn't say that to troll you on michigan but there's obviously no, other teams what that was sudden so anyway so live <laughs> So I, to, to me the live betting on these games has been great um so maybe that maybe the the gambling aspect of March madness has taken ratings i out. mean I you st- would
0: you would have to look at a market by market basis um what what the ratings are so if those right, states where gambling have legalized fair. versus those that. states that haven't Can we do that
2: I mean it hasn't really impacted we NFL tr- ratings. We actually
0: have tried to do that in the past. With and NFL, I think, I think someone right? tried sent us who had some data, sent us some analysis, and it was inconclusive.
1: I mean, I don't um, think the games are any better. You have St. Peter's, which is a, a great story. Hopefully they win today at Full. I think they're 12 point uh dogs, but like, you know, so maybe that's but I, but you always have teams like that. Other other um, thought on this, Rich, is since I have been enjoying gambling on March Madness. Um, I have direct TV, which is great yeah. no latency. Uh, there's sometimes I have another TV where I'm using Google TV. Yeah. Um, the, their, the latency on it makes live betting impossible. But I know, ta- I by mean. The t- by the time you see what happened, in fact, there was literally spoilers when I'm looking at the live lines. I- and I saw the line move, I'm like, oh, I guess I guess Michigan is gonna score here because the line just moved. I think Michigan's
2: gonna go on a run. It's ridiculous. We put out this whole piece, that demo of Phoenix t- Television yeah, or Phoenix uh, yeah. Systems, showing the latency on Fubo and YouTube TV versus cable versus being in the arena or stadium. It is shocking, it's shocking. The latency is a very big issue that all companies need to deal with if they want betting to be a big deal, especially in-game betting.
1: It's a huge yeah, issue. And- and the other thing, I, my other complaint is for for those the you know, I know people on, in online gambling follow us. You can't on the hot games with five minutes left. You can't just take the lines off, dude. I mean, honestly, like if you want credibility to your product, you got to keep the lines on. You can't just say, no, I'm not taking any bets. Sorry. No, I'm going to find platforms that will not take lines off.
2: Is there a big Man, game you're, you're so. focused on tonight, Walt? You're going to watch the Miami game? I mean,
1: I... <sighs> uh,
0: Miami no. in the Sweet 16.
2: Miami's playing tonight. Nine other nine than, nine other, than tonight. other
1: than other than Villanova, I'm dispassionate. It's just about making money, watching the games, feeling the feeling the flow of the game, seeing how I can pick off easy odds. So, because well, sometimes teams for go Carol. for rallies, teams go for rallies, and you get the and the spreads move, and you're like, you know, the better team is going to end up winning, and and most of the time that ends up happening.
2: We had Carolyn Everson on Lightshed Premium Access this week and she was very excited about Villanova. She is a very hardcore Villanova alum nice. who I am sure will be at some of the games to come.
0: I guess uh us Philly college people should root for Villanova yeah. since they're Big 5, right?
1: Well, you know, who was it? One of the one of the Barstool guys who's actually the Philly guys claiming it's like not a Philly team. Like what the fuck are you talking about? I went to high school in North Philly. When Nova won the championship, everyone in Philly was... It, Villanova is a Philly team. I don't care what people say.
0: Walt, I have a question for you. What? What is she saying on the music right now?
1: Do, <laughs> <laughs> the translation or the Lincoln?
0: <laughs> 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 Either or. Well, this is
1: 99 Luft balloons. So great now song. we know
0: that Luft means red in German.
1: That's true. No one of the other <laughs> words, though.
0: That was, our, that was our big learning for the day. Next week, we will see you for our 100th episode, episode <laughs> of the Light Shed podcast on April Fool's Day.
2: Have a great weekend,
0: everyone. Bye-bye.